welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My co-host for this segment is Karen Hibbert, who's who's with us today, along with Kevin Roberts. Kevin is one of our newest board members, as he just recently became the chairperson of the Convention Visitors Bureau Committee. Welcome, Kevin, to the Think MHK podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me. So tell us how you ended up in Manhattan, and specifically, uh, you are at K-State. How did you end up uh, at Kansas State University? Well, I came to Manhattan in 2002 to pursue a doctorate and was going to be here for three years and was hightailing it back to Ames, Iowa. Uh, And I I started as my second year rolled around. I took an instructor position at K-State and have been here ever since. So uh, in 2008, I took a tenure track position and and, uh, rose up through the ranks and now serve as interim department head of the hospitality program here at K-State. So obviously a big connection to tourism, uh, being in the hospitality uh, segment of Kansas State. So what did you do at Ames? I, uh, well, I was just a graduate student. I did my undergrad master's there uh, and was intending to go back there to become a faculty member at Iowa State. I'm from Iowa, Eastern Iowa originally. So tourism is certainly a big part of my background, having grown up in a tourist area in Iowa. Uh, we had a small community, but uh, the Amana colonies are huge tourist areas. So that was kind of in my, my back doorstep. And I didn't even appreciate that until I moved here. So certainly under the hospitality wing of the industry, knew about the tourism industry and the importance it has for our industry. Certainly two very impressive land-grant universities. Yes. And so um, and both say they're the first, so I think they have to duel it out. Well, maybe they were created at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, Karen, I think we, you know? Got, we got our um, application in first, is my understanding. I gotcha. So talk about how you became involved in Visit Manhattan. Well, certainly having the hospitality program at K-State, I had the pleasure to meet Karen, I think, very early on in my uh, tenure at Kansas State. And as I moved to Manhattan and, and began to get more involved with the community and understanding the importance of tourism, Karen had served on or has served on our advisory board in the hospitality program. So when she asked me to serve on uh, her board, I didn't think I could say no at the time. Uh, so and uh, in, in that, and I knew I was going to be able to give back to the local community and the hospitality industry that helps our program a lot here at K-State. Okay, so you agreed to serve on the the board, which I understand now is it was reciprocal agreement because of <laughs> the time that Karen had put in. I didn't your understand board. that when I put her on our board, though. <laughs> so, but you, that didn't mean you had to take a leadership role. And so you have, you've become chair of that committee, which also uh, makes you the tourism representative on the Chamber Board of Directors. Why did you decide to go ahead and and accept that role? Well, does the fact that I can't say no suffice for an answer on that? Uh, No, seriously, I I really thought it was one small way that I could give back to the tourism community and certainly all the hotels and restaurants. And I think Karen over the years, too, has hired interns from K-State. So it was just one way that I could give back to the local community and and try and help them better their business or operations here locally. Kevin, we're glad that you're calling men Manhattan home, and I, I'm sure you're always torn when it's the Iowa State Kansas State uh, uh, competition. I just yell "Go State!" There you go, and you're happy either way. <laughs> so, what color do you wear, though? That might be the defining factor. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to answer. Depends that. You don't on have to who's favored that. to win. Honestly, my, my second year here, I think it was Iowa State was in the Big Twelve tournament, maybe even in the championship game. And one of my alumni had to share that we had a work day in class, and I forced them to listen to the Iowa State game that day. So I forgot all about that. But uh, that's sweet. 
Right. So, Kevin, you and I both know uh, a little bit about uh, the hospitality program at Kansas State. Talk to our listeners about that hospitality program um, and the students that are enrolled and where they, how we launch them uh, with that program. Sure. Well, the hospitality program is the oldest hospitality program in the state. We now have a few other four-year programs that have popped up, but we are the only one that's accredited by our accrediting body, uh, which I also serve on the accrediting body board now. So that's kind of an interesting uh, role in that aspect as well. But we have about 130 students in the program. We've ranged from uh, 130 now to uh, up to around 320 at one point in the program. So it's been around the hospitality component. The hotel component started first in the 80s. Uh, or the restaurant component started first, and then the hotel was added in the 80s. Uh, so we've really been around for quite a while. Probably 70% of the hospitality programs across the United States came about after uh, our program was established. So we are one of the oldest in the country uh, in terms of that. But our students really come from all over the country uh, and all over the world, really. We have one student who finally got here from Poland and started uh, during the pandemic year and uh was online for a year, but finally finally got his visa and made it over to Poland to join us. So we do have them from all over the world. And we also have uh, the bachelor's degree, but then we also have the master's and doctorate programs in hospitality administration as well. So Kevin, a couple of follow-up questions sure. to that. Um, you talked about a decrease in students. Yep. Is that primarily due to the pandemic and, and some things that um, maybe people saw that how that industry was affected? I don't think that helped our situation at all. The Hospitality programs across the country have gone down in numbers in the last four to five years uh, and certainly capped off with the pandemic uh, has not helped that. I think students and prospective students see that and, and think that's a negative thing. And certainly it is. Uh, but now, you know, as our industry comes roaring back, there's a greater need for managers now, perhaps even more so now than there was five years ago. So, you know, our, our industry is calling for good managers and, and we could probably place every student we have in our program. Uh, with a restaurant or a hotel or a CVB. Uh, so really, they're all looking for good help and good managers as well. That leads into my other question about how many of your graduates stay in the Manhattan region. So many of our, you know, you'd have to look at how many actually come from Manhattan. And I think some stay in Manhattan and never intended to stay in Manhattan. Certainly, I'm one of our graduates from our doctoral program and never intended to be in Manhattan, Kansas. I would say probably 10% would be a guess, 10 to 15%. To give you exact numbers, you know, I, I don't know offhand. But a lot of our students go back to Kansas City, Wichita, and, and several go back home to their home country, several from China, uh, Europe as well. Those that get good jobs in Manhattan tend to stay here for the long haul, and we have several around the community who are active in hype and, and different areas of the business community here in Manhattan. No, but it's not necessarily bad. You end up with uh, Kansas State Manhattan ambassadors across the world. Yeah. yeah, we had a faculty member, actually our former dean of the graduate school, Carol Shanklin. I can't remember where she was traveling back from, but it was one of the Asian countries and was in the middle of the airport and happened to run into somebody who had a K-State shirt on and she asked them and they weren't a graduate of our program, but certainly Kansas State. So they remember their time fondly. Well, certainly, Kevin, as, as the pandemic has had its effect on tourism uh, across the world, I think that we all understand that tourism is so vitally important. Can you speak to that just a little bit more as an educator as well as a resident? I feel like I'm preaching to the choir sent across from Karen talking about tourism, but 
globally, certainly the advantages of tourism go beyond the billions of dollars that it generates for economies. Uh, a booming tourism industry really helps to build infrastructure in, in communities such as roads and parks, hospitals and schools. And when you look at the impact that COVID has had on those communities or those countries like the Caribbean islands that depend on tourism, you know, it's had a devastating impact on them. But even locally, tourism has the potential to be a huge economic driver for our city. In 2019, before the pandemic, Visit Manhattan worked with 240 meetings and that estimated to this local community an economic impact of around $19 million. Uh, and each visitor to Manhattan spends about $312 a day in the city. And we certainly have witnessed the importance of tourism when you look at what happened in 2019 or 2020 with the pandemic, when the number of meetings hit 58. And that was about $15 million less in economic impact in this city alone. And think about that across the world. But then we look at 2021 and we started to recover a little bit, but we were still down $10 million in economic impact from, the, from just the local community alone. So just with those numbers, you could see the impact that tourism has on this local community. Absolutely. Tourism truly does matter. And with that, Kevin, what role do you feel that Visit Manhattan plays in attracting people to Manhattan? Well, certainly Visit Manhattan works tirelessly, Karen and her staff, to bring convention uh, meetings and events and businesses to Manhattan. And ultimately, when those visitors come, that really increases the tax revenues for Manhattan. So it supports the local hotels, restaurants, and tourism industry, and it helps those operators who have employees uh, to put their best foot forward. And I know Karen will probably be talking about this a lot in the community in the coming uh, months, but they're launching a program uh, called Trinum Right Hospitality Training. And that's meant, if I'm not mistaken, Karen, to train our hospitality frontline workers, the importance of tourism and how what they do and how they interact with those guests really does shine a light on what Manhattan has and what Manhattan has to offer. So them treating our guests right and our tourism or our tourists right really encourage those guests to come back to Manhattan and ultimately spend more money in the city. That's exactly right. Yes, we're very excited about rolling that out because it will just make Manhattan that much more of a destination. That's something we visited with CVBs about even, I remember 10 years ago visiting, I think it was the CVB manager in Great Ben came to us and wanted to roll out something similar to that. So that's something that's a long time in coming and badly needed across the state. Karen, talk about that for a minute. What's the timeline for that um, program? We will be rolling that out hopefully by the end of February. Currently, there are videos that are uh, being created and training that will be done uh, for all of our frontline staffs, not just uh, those folks that are at restaurants, but we'll be, uh, we're the, the lead on it. It's a certified program that is being created. So if you're at a certain each one of the uh, businesses has their own training. But this is a training that gives those uh, employees a little bit more deeper information about Manhattan, Kansas. It will really be pushing them to understand and, and view our website. So again, it falls on us as being the champion of telling the story of what Manhattan has to offer. But think about the times that you sit down at a restaurant in, in a new community and you say, tell me what else is there to do in this town? Well, we want our frontline folks, whether you're stopping at a gas station, you've uh, wherever you might be, to be able to say there is a lot for you to see, do, and enjoy in our community. And say specifically what those things Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a great program. So Kevin, um, do you think Manhattan is positioned uh, pretty well to attract 
more meetings and sporting events? Oh, certainly. I think as you look across Kansas and the the areas and the towns that we compete with, not that those towns aren't great towns to go to and visit, but I think we compete very well with those uh, communities. You look at our convention center and, and the recent addition to that convention center in order to host larger events, I think is a great addition to Manhattan. Uh, certainly with that downtown corridor, you have many hotels with the Holiday Inn Express, the Courtyard, the Fairfield there uh, that can host those individuals that need to spend the night. And the nice thing is they're all at different price points most of the time. So it, it, you're able to reach across demographics of who would attend uh, a meeting or a convention at that particular operation. And it's within walking distance of many of our great restaurants here in Manhattan down on that Points Avenue corridor. So that all adds to a great meeting uh, facilities for Manhattan. And certainly we have great restaurants and hotels across the city from the four points uh, out there by the, I guess, west side of Manhattan that can host large events as well. Uh, so we have great meeting facilities here in Manhattan and getting people to realize uh, what we have, I think is a great thing. And as Karen works to get those meeting planners in, in town, I know that's one thing she really strives to do. Certainly with the rec facilities we have for more uh, sporting events and bringing those different sporting events to town. One thing I learned this morning in talking with Karen is that she has an event planner coming this weekend, I think it is, who's thinking about or has plans. They will be bringing to life the inaugural cornhole competition. And we had a cornhole competition at our church, and you wouldn't believe the amount of people that reached out just saying, hey, I saw this on Facebook. Can we come over to it? Yeah. We're not a member of your church, but we'd love to come over to it. So I think that'll be an interesting uh, tournament to see. We're eager to see how that ends up. Yeah, that'll be great. And Manhattan has great organizers too. If you look at Manhattan Running Company and Ben Siegel and Trey Vernon out there bringing many different uh, running events to town with the Bill Snyder Half Marathon, where they start out at uh, 177 and I-70 and and run into the stadium. So that's always an interesting event. And they they do a lot of different events that bring people to this community. So uh, they're great partners with us as well, but also all the biking events and different events that you see that we can now handle in Manhattan has been a great welcome addition to the sports scene. Yeah, I think Ben and Trey do a great job. I'm not sure people realize what a jewel it is to have them here and and doing our events. So I have one last question, and I'm going to do something a little different here. I'm going to ask our producer, Dave Lewis, to hop on the mic and join us in answering this question because Dave has a lot of history uh, with the Manhattan Convention Visitors Bureau and has, I think, served on the board multiple times. So the last question, we'll start with Kevin and then we'll go to Dave. What is something about Visit Manhattan that the average person would not know? I And I'm saying this from a personal experience as well. You know, I've been around CVBs and worked with the Ames CVB a little bit when I was in Ames. And then, of course, having, having known Karen when I moved here in the CVB. But it wasn't until I started to look to bring a convention to Manhattan that I realized the amount of support that they have for those individuals who are thinking about bringing a event to Manhattan, whether it's a sporting event. In my case, it was a church-related event. Uh, But the amount of assistance that they can provide from the pre-planning stages through carrying out of that event. You know, they want these events to be successful in Manhattan, and they have uh, some human resources that can help with that, uh, within reason, I guess. Of course, I better say that. But they uh, are very good good partners. So if you're looking for somebody to, or if you're looking to bring an event to Manhattan, reach out to Karen and, and Marcia and their team there, because I know they would want to know about it, number one, but also Number two, would love to help you make sure that those guests, or if they're looking at Manhattan, come to Manhattan and have a great experience. And the best part about that, our services are complimentary. That's right. Even better. Yeah. Dave, how about you? You know, I think that a lot of people don't realize that the, the, the CVB, as, as well as the Chamber, is like one of the great referral networks. 
uh, whether it's you know uh, trying to find a facility for an event, trying to find people to help with the event, feed people for the event. Uh, they work with everybody, and, and, and they're so delightful to work with. And, and they want people here in the community to be successful. And so they you know, do a terrific job of making sure that the business that comes in here uh, to Manhattan for conferences or gatherings, whatever the case may be, that uh, the people here on the local level, including people like me to work in the entertainment side of things, um, can benefit from from their efforts. I remember when we were bringing our meeting here along with what Dave was saying, we were going to have a, a time that we did not have a meal planned. It was a lunch meal. Uh, and Marsha at the time, I think it's who I was working with, mm -hmm. said, well, let me know what the time is when the restaurant should expect them. And she got a hold of all the restaurant tours in town to say, hey, the this particular convention is going to be breaking at 1130. They're all going to be headed to the downtown corridor to eat. They have to be back by 130. Be on the lookout for them. And I think a lot of those restaurants did some special menus to make sure that our guests could get in and out relatively quickly. And it not only helped me and my planning, but it also helped those guests and the restaurants in Manhattan to put their best foot forward so they didn't have a bad experience. Yes, yes, that's and that's so very, very important where our where our uh, meeting facilities are located at. When we are aware of a meeting being in town, we want to do our best to help the community understand that there are visitors here in town, provide them with a great experience because they will return over and over and over again. Yeah. I think one of the other things is that how very engaged the, the CBB staff gets involved in all of these events, especially with basketball games, because you can always find Karen Hibbert at a basketball game <laughs> with her scoreboard. I'm not, and, and, I'm not, I'm not sure that's just, about tourism. That's it more, is about tourism. That's more there. obsession, I think, than it is tourism. But it shows their love for yeah. Well, in all seriousness... Uh, Karen is very committed to the class. It's two way basketball. Two way basketball state yes. tournament that comes every year, and and uh, she spends enormous amount of time and hours uh, helping with the organizers of that, uh, as well as uh, volunteers to take tickets and sell programs and t shirts and all the all the things that they need people for. And so, um, but yes, I think the I think the Wildcat. Uh, basketball is more of an obsession than it is necessarily tourism, but but you know what? We'll we'll go with that. So is it safe to say you're never going to ask me to comment again? <laughs> no, I don't. it's fine with me. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you again for being willing to serve not only in the leadership capacity for the Convention Visitors Bureau Board, but also to serve on the Chamber Board. Um, it's important to our organization, and, and we appreciate you taking time to do that. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. Welcome back to the Think MHK podcast. My co-host for this segment is Darren Solden. Hey, Darren. Hey, Jason. Great to be here today. Great to have you. And we have a great guest with us as well. Uh, LaFerris Risby, who's with Loving Arm Enterprises, is our guest on our member spotlight. Hey, LaFerris, how are you today? I'm still here in the land that we live in. I'm super excited over here. And I know we, we're connected via telephone, so thanks for making time for us. So talk to us a little bit about your business, including how you got started. Okay, so I have Loving Arms Enterprises I'm the founder of. And we have four divisions under Loving Homes Enterprises. 
One is Loving Arms Child Care and Preschool, where we do child care between the ages of six weeks to 11 years of age. And we're actually looking to expand in the Manhattan area now. Just wanted to plug that in. Uh, Loving Arms University, which is an online platform for teachers and um, homeschoolers and parents, where they can go and get information, they can get templates, and they can get lesson plans and different things to be able to either start their own child care business, or they can use it with their children or their students that they're homeschooling. And then I have MGB. Um, and associates, and that is a real estate agency. And the goal for that is, we are looking to be able to put an apartment on our site where it's going to deal with domestic violence survivors and help them get ready to move into a new stage of their life without the violence. And then LaFerris is my brand, where I have Dare to Dream, and I also have a consulting business under there. And Dare to Dream is a book I wrote. Um, back um, almost two years now, and you asked why I started my business. I tell people all the time, I started my business out of a need. I didn't start it because I wanted to, and I didn't start it because I thought that I, was, I would be a great entrepreneur. I had gotten to Junction City with $50 and no place to live, and my children need a safe, loving environment. We were getting away from abusive father and abusive husband. So I wanted to make sure that they had a safe, loving environment. I did what we call a SWAT now. I sat down and put my strengths, my weaknesses, and my opportunities and my threats all on a sheet of paper. And then I decided, this is what I'm going to do. At the time I did start child care, it wasn't going to be a long-term business. I started because I wanted to be able to be home with my children and help educate them and be there when they needed me the most in school and after school programs. And I wanted to be a good parent because I had became a single parent and was only me. But as I got into it, I loved it. I loved what I did. I loved helping the families. I loved seeing the children grow. And it just started to grow and expand from there. And I started going back to school, getting my degrees. And I can say, here I am now. You got quite a bit going on. And I know I know you're a busy lady. Um, and you touched on this a little bit. But why why risk owning your own business as opposed to, say, finding a job uh, somewhere else in the community? I'm a very strong-willed person. And when I decide that it's something I want to go out and I want to do, I don't let anything stop me. At the time, my children needed someone that could be there and could be stable. And so I started my business because of stability. I had to go back and look at my why. And I ask people when I work with them now, why are you starting a business? What do you want out of this? And then at the time, I knew what I needed and what I wanted. I felt like I could give other parents that stability that they needed for their children. And that was the reason why I started it. Yeah, well, that's great advice. Uh, what's the number one satisfaction you get from, from owning all those businesses? Being able to see the growth and help uh, and be a part of the, the help and uh, grow the community um, in, in which I live and which I serve. So, LaFerris, what, uh, as you look at this region, what makes the Manhattan region a good place for entrepreneurs and for business owners? The one thing I think is going to make our region really good and make Manhattan uh, really up and coming is because they are putting in place an eco, uh, ecosystem, an entrepreneurial ecosystem that's going to be able to allow people to start their businesses, scale and grow their businesses, move their businesses to a national level because they have a system in place they have mentors, they have people in place that can help you through every stage of your business. And that's very important. Yeah, entrepreneurial support is definitely an important part of, uh, of the overall economic development strategy here. Obviously, a big reason we work on entrepreneurship is to create more startups. What kind of things do you think can be done uh, in the region to create more startups and get more businesses up and off the ground? I think a lot of it is understanding their why, their actual planning and execution. Because once you have the business plan, that's fine. But how do you execute that plan? If you are a new business and a new entrepreneur that has never been in business and have no idea, how do you execute that plan? Making those and building those relationships with, with, with uh, banks where you can establish funding, where you can establish relationships 
where they can see the growth and scale of your business and see the opportunities that your business can bring to the community. You mentioned entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship ecosystem. You are involved in a couple of organizations that, that we uh, participate with as well. And one is Spark MHK, which is a, an entrepreneurship program uh, that's dedicated to the ecosystem uh, specifically for entrepreneurs. And, and we support that financially. And, and I know you're on the board. And then you're one of the founding members of the Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills, which which we're working on some, some partnerships with. Uh, talk about why you decided to get involved in, in those organizations and then, and then maybe talk about why you decided to get active in the chamber because I know you're, you're a new board member for the Chamber of Commerce as well. When I started my business, it was 27 years ago. And all these pieces and things that we're doing now was not in place. You didn't have a chamber that you could go to somebody like Darren yourself and ask those questions. And then they would help you find the information or get the information or even connect you with the people that you need to be connected to. So I think it's very important for us to remember that all businesses, whether a business of color or, 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 or whatever type of business it is, that we all need to work together in order to build that ecosystem and build the place in which we live, work, and play. And our children are growing up in. So I got involved in both of the organizations because I wanted to be able to be a help and a benefit. I didn't want entrepreneurs to go through some of the same struggles that I went through to, to be able to have my business, to be able to establish my business, to be able to grow and move my business. So I wanted to make sure that I could mentor and I could be a part of the ecosystem and be a part of what the entire region was doing for all the businesses where people want to come here. They want to be a part of our community and they want to learn, work, and play here because we got to remember, we're going to get older and our children, we want our children and grandchildren to stay here, live, work, and play and keep the community vibrant. Well, because of all those activities and some other uh, successes that you've had in your own business, uh, you won the Women and Minority Owned Business Award at our annual business awards this, this year. Uh, so congratulations again for that. Uh, what was your initial reaction when you found out that, that you were nominated? And then how did it feel when you were announced when you were the winner? Oh, my God. It was amazing. I was super excited because I've won so many different awards all over the nation. And to be able to be home and actually win something locally, it made my heart feel so good. It was amazing. Well, that's great, LaFerris, and definitely a very deserving award winner. Um, I've had the opportunity to uh, to get to know you over a number of years and, and work with you in a couple different capacities. And I know you've got such a passion for giving back and, and helping entrepreneurs, helping new business owners. Um Let's revisit that for a second. What advice would you have for individuals thinking about taking that step to either start or, or purchase a new business? Even when I sit down and I sit down with my clients, the first thing I ask them is, what's your why? Why do you want to be in business? Why do you want to be an entrepreneur? What's your why? And what's your end game? Tell me at the end of the day what you want so we can work our way back and build those goals so you can get there. So I always start with my why and my end. Yeah, that's great advice, LaFerris. And again, we appreciate all you're doing within our entrepreneurial ecosystem, um, working with the Chamber, working with Spark, Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills, and, and really making a difference for folks as they're starting businesses and, and growing our community. Yeah, and, and you know, LaFerris, we've talked before, and, and the Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills uh, visited with the Chamber, and we uh, just launched our minority business directory, which which we're really excited about and partnered with with uh, that organization to, uh, to complete. And that that's located on greatermanhattan.org. And so people can find that there. And we want to try to create more opportunities for uh, all entrepreneurs, specifically those uh, that are disadvantaged. And so we appreciate your leadership on that. 
So, LaFerris, that's the end of our, our interview, but we've got um, what we call our rapid-fire segment, and when we have our business people on here, we ask them a series of questions uh, that, that are just general questions about them as individuals, and, and so uh, we have 10 questions ready to go for you. Are you ready? I'm definitely ready. <laughs> so, number one, best piece of advice you have ever received? The decision you make today will ultimately affect you tomorrow, right or wrong, good or bad. Everything you do affects someone else. That's good advice. What is your pet peeve? When people act like they don't know what's going on when they really do. Oh, that is a good one. That, that aggravates me too. Me too. Um, what is your favorite holiday? Oh, Christmas. I'm loving it. Yeah, Chris, Christmas. Giving back, gifts back. Yeah, Christmas is a great time of year. What advice would you give the 19-year-old you? Love yourself unconditionally. What is something you always travel with? My favorite pillow and my favorite purple blanket. There you go. What is your favorite snack? Popcorn. Mine too. I love popcorn. Biggest <laughs> lesson the pandemic taught you? Um, it taught me that I am really a strategic thinker. Even though I had won the award for uh, it in uh, 2021, I didn't realize that I am constantly thinking about what's the next thing. I'm constantly thinking about strategically how to put things in place and how to align my business. Okay. You can have dinner with any four people in the world. Who is on that list? Ooh, Warren Buffett. I was, uh, I was I able to meet with him at a Goldman Sachs event that we went to a couple of years back. And, oh, my God, just the things came out of his mouth was just nuggets for your business. Then Oprah Winfrey, of course, I just love her. Michelle Obama and Barack Obama. Wow, that, that's a pretty powerful uh, table. Do you, texting or talking? I like talking because I like building relationships. You can't build a relationship through no text. I agree with that. Who is the first person that comes to mind when you hear the words successful business person and why? Tyler Perry. And I think about him because he had the faith to believe the impossible. And he has done what no other uh, person has done coming from nothing to something. You know, that's a good example. I've, I've been in Atlanta and heard a lot of the people there talk about him and and what he's done in that community. And, and uh, that's somebody that we forget sometimes because he's very talented that he also is a great business person as well. So, LaFerris, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for your leadership in the community. I know it's extremely important to a lot of people. And and uh, we, we are so thrilled that you agreed to serve on our board of directors. And, and we're glad that you're part of our leadership team now. And, and I just want to wish you the best of luck going forward. And, and I know you'll be successful at anything you do. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. And you guys have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. Thanks, LaFerris. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Thank you.